This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. We are back. Happy New Year all here on the pregame show. We're delighted to welcome in Tim Twentyman. He is uh, with the Detroit Lions.com senior writer insider, and he does the Twentyman in the Huddle podcast. You can follow him as we do on Twitter at T Twentyman. Tim, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and uh, looking forward to uh, – to see him where the Lions are at at this point, uh, there was steady improvement toward uh, uh, for a for a large chunk there. And you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, so all of a sudden, Jared Goff isn't the guy you have to replace. Is that receivers coming back? Is that uh, feeling better in the passing game, or is that him being better than people thought? You know, I think it's probably a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I think one of the good things that that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, did here when he took over in the offseason was, look, he invited Jared in, and they built this thing together. It wasn't one of those things like, this is what I like to run. Hey, Jared, you know, let's run this. It was, what does Jared like to do? What is he good at? Um, and really incorporated him into, into that process, let him take ownership of the offense, and, and Jared's been great all year. And to your point, look, I think a lot of people forget this is the former number one pick, um, you know, a guy who's won a lot of big games, who took the Rams to the Super Bowl. Um, he's only 28 years old, and he's under contract for two more years. And so I think it's a good situation Detroit fell in, um, you know, w- w- with Jared, especially the way he's played all year, but especially the last month. Um, and, and I think the, the, he's definitely going to be their guy moving forward. And, you know, when Dan Campbell had that first press conference, there was a, there was a lot of scoffing at, at some of the kneecap biting and whatnot. But what would you say are some of the key elements here closing out year two where, where the development of the team, the development of a winning culture really is starting to bear some fruit here? Yeah, you said it. And I think that's the big thing is, is you know, the, the, the culture change and the winning culture and you know, not being surprised by success, uh, expecting success. Um, look, this is a team that's playing meaningful football in the month of December, probably for the first time since 2017 when Jim Caldwell was here, when 9-7 and seven wasn't good enough um, to save his job. And so, you know, I think development has probably been really key to that too. Uh, you look at some of the young guys um, from last year um, into their second season, just 
how they've become, um, you know, cornerstone players. A, a guy like a Penny Sewell, right? I mean, in, in two years, has become, you know, probably the best right tackle in football. And just from the beginning of this year, with a lot of the young guys on defense, Aiden Hutchinson, Kirby Joseph, um, some of those guys have now become really big key pieces um, to this defense, playing much better football the second half. And so, you know, it was a culture change under Dan Campbell, but I think. You know, the player development, I think, has been a huge part of this, too. You're seeing the young guys really um, becoming core pieces and playing really good football and are kind of the catalyst behind the success this year. Tim, you, you mentioned the development and you talked about the defense, but what happened last week in Carolina? <laughs> and can the Bears do the same thing running the ball? Well, you know, they're the number one ranked rushing offense. And I think it, when they watched that film, they had to be licking their chops a little bit because, I mean, it was really disappointing because the Lions knew what Carolina was going to do. Um, look, they're a physical football team. Steve Wilkes got them playing pretty well, 570 total yards and 320 rushing yards. Yeah. And it was from the first play to the last play. Well, and, the, well the first two know, plays went for, what, 60 yards? There was a 30-yard run yeah. and a 30-yard run. I mean, both um, Hubbard and Foreman had 100 yards in the first half. Um, that's how bad it was for Detroit. And, and look, you know, teams have games like that. Um, I think the disappointing thing was Detroit would have been in the playoffs with the number of seven seed had they won that game last week. Everything fell that they couldn't control their way. And so now they need to win, obviously, and get a little help. And so, look, if I'm Chicago – um, you look at the first game week uh, 10, I believe it was, it was over 250 rushing yards. Um, Fields had 147 and two. And so you've got to feel pretty confident if you're Chicago and, and look, Detroit had to watch that tape and figure it out. I think they got to come ready to play. I expect that at home with what is on the line. Um, and and they're, they've said all week that they have a good plan for, for Justin Fields. Uh, you look what Buffalo did, obviously different personnel than what Detroit has, but I would expect they do some of those elements and, and look at how they were successful and um, look, they better come to play and, and, and they better um, be able to stop that Bears run because like Carolina, they know exactly what Chicago wants to do and, and it's going to be planned to do coming in here. Tim, I just want to clarify what you said earlier. Um, I believe the, the Lions hold the Rams pick, which at this point would be like the seventh overall selection. They are not looking at quarterback. They're not one of the teams that wants to trade up. They're they're satisfied with Jared Goff, and they're not looking to improve there. I don't think so. Um, all indications we've gotten from you know Dan Campbell, from Ben Johnson, and and even you know talking with, with people in, in the front office is look. Jared's playing some of the best football of his career. Um, you look at his passer rating, yards, touchdowns. I mean, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards. He's got 26 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Hasn't thrown an interception in um, the month of December. Actually, hasn't thrown an interception in, in two months. Now, he's just playing really good football. This is an, a Lions offense that ranks in the, in the top five in points scored, top five in total offense, um, top 10 in passing. And Jared's 28, and he's under contract for two more years. And the way quarterback contracts are now, that it's actually a very reasonable contract, too. And so um, I, I, I think they're really happy. I think this was an important year for Jared because of what you talked about, them having the Rams pick and then their pick. They've also got two second-round picks. They got Minnesota's second-round pick from the T.J. Hawkinson trade. So, you know, they have assets to move up. But I think Jared, is, is in the way he's played this year, I, I think they're going to look at their defense and, and, and try to, you know, find some playmakers on that side of the football because I think if this is just an average defense, um, you know, the Lions are 32nd in, in 
points allowed and 32nd in total defense or 31st and 32nd right there. One of the, one of the worst defenses in the league. I think they're just average. This is probably a 10, 11 win season. So I think, you know, they're set at quarterback. Or at least they think they are. And then you try to fix this defense. And I think then they believe they're off and running. Jameson Williams has returned to the, the lineup for Detroit here as of late. And we've seen a Bears secondary that's very young. We were talking earlier in our show here about the amount of man coverage they've begun playing. So how dangerous, how, how effective has this Lions receiver core become? Yeah, you know, the return of D.J. Chark has been big, too. Um, you look at he's had over 90 yards in three of his last four. Um, he's a, a big deep deep play threat that's why they went and got him in free agency and then you mentioned Jamison Williams he's coming back he's still working his way back but guys that that speed is something different um you know I've been around the league for a while I've seen a lot of fast guys I mean I put it right there with Tyreek Hill I mean but it's different because he's a long strider he's a little taller and and thinner he looks like a gazelle running out there um so he adds that deep play element and then Amon Ross St. Brown is you know, quickly becoming one of the best wide receivers in the league and, and certainly one of the best slot guys. And so um, it, it, it's a really good receiver core. Um, they, you know, they can spread it around to a lot of different guys. Um, they, Jared feels really confident with, with all his weapons. And so it really is one of those things where you're not trying to force it to one guy. It's like, who's open, who's got the good matchup. And, and I think that's, you know, part of a lot of, uh, you know, part of Jared's success as well is, you know, he hasn't had to force the football. Um, he's got a lot of weapons that he feels confident in. That wide receiver core is, is, is really one of the better parts of this football team right now. All right, I'm, yeah. I'm going to stick with the defense real quick. Sorry, Molly. You know, I, oh, I, I keep hitting on it because I think this is an opportunity for the Bears team to maybe get a win just because it's a divisional matchup. But Aiden Hutchinson here in Chicago, we're going to have a high draft pick. Talk about Will Anderson, Jalen Carter mm-hmm. drafting him. How was he – been in Detroit and his development at uh has he been I've, I've watched a lot of tape of him and I'm impressed with him but are they happy with what they what they got in him drafting him as high as they did yeah certainly you know I think with with Aiden the one of the things you look at is is he's played the second most reps of of anyone on on this defense uh you know behind Alex Anzalone and so for a rookie defensive end to be able to be a three down guy look he leads all rookies with seven sacks um but he, look he's a he's a try hard um never quit high motor, um, good character, uh, can do a lot of different things. I mean, he, you know, I mentioned the seven sacks, but he's also got two interceptions. Um, he's second on the team in tackles for loss. So, you know, he's been everything I think that they expected him to be. I think he's, you know, he still, I think, has to, um, you know, find a little, little, a few more tools in in the in his toolbox in terms of, the pass rush moves, um, counter moves, secondary moves, but that'll come. Um, he's a rookie, but I think everything from a skill set and, and a character, um, you know, character point that he's been exactly what what they want. And as you guys know, I mean, when you guys were really really good, um, you know, a few years back, it was that defense, it was that pass rush, it was Khalil Mack, and, and those guys being able to get after the quarterback. You have to do that in this league now. And the Lions think they got a pretty good one who's going to develop into a really good player in Hutchinson. You know, Justin Fields has a chance to get to uh, the the best single season rushing record ever by a quarterback. I believe it's at 1206 from uh, Lamar Jackson, and he's got uh, something like 1011 after really being stopped last week. Um, was there anything, or did have you heard anyone say there was anything that you saw the uh, Buffalo Bills do 
that helped them to shut down fields more than he has been previous to that. And the 147 yards against the uh, the Lions in the first meeting, I'm sure they went to school on that to try to limit it. I don't see how – I think it's natural talent. Like, I don't know that there's anything you can do specifically to stop it, but what are they working on to try to stop fields in particular? Yeah, you know, I thought Buffalo did a really good job. They kind of used that mess charge with, with their defensive ends and then kind of looped their linebackers around and really made him stay in the pocket. And that's what Detroit's talked about, too, is, look, he's going to he, he's gonna have some runs. He's going to make some plays. Like you mentioned, he's that good of an athlete. And so it's just limiting them. It's, it's limiting the explosives. Um, can't have the 60-yarders, the, the, the big ones that he breaks. I thought Buffalo did a really good job of kind of limiting those big plays and keeping him in the pocket and, you know, to your point about the athleticism and, and what he can do, um, you know, with his legs, I think when they, you know, get a few receivers, you talked about a high draft pick and, and, and you know, wanting to get a, um, you know, a pass rusher. I, you know, I think that's a team that could really use a couple receivers as well and, and some weapons around him. And when they do that, I think this is going to be a really dangerous Chicago offense because of, of what he gives them. Um, in terms of his rushing ability. But, look, I think Detroit's going to look at what Buffalo did there. Um, like I said before, obviously different personnel. Buffalo's one of the best defenses in the league, so you can't you – know, got to be who you are. You can't just take their game plan, you know, what they did with their personnel and, 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 and you know, come in with, you, with that being your game plan. But there will certainly be some elements. You won't see Aiden Hutchinson and, and, and James Houston – you know, running past the quarterback and, and going wide. I think they're going to be very conservative in their rush to just really try to keep Justin in the pocket. And, and look, if Justin Fields is in the pocket, throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns and beat you, I think you tip your cap and say, good job, young man. But you can't let him run for 150 yards and two touchdowns because, you know, that's how Detroit's going to lose this football game is if, um, you know, they can't contain Justin Fields. I really thought Jeff Okuda was starting to have some nice moments earlier in the season. And, you know, in recent weeks has been beat at times in, in man coverage. And it seems like Lions fans, part, part of this is likely the draft's status, you know, being drafted that high. The expectations are high with it. But how, how bad has Jeff Okuda been? You know, the last couple of weeks, I think he'd be the first one to say he hasn't played um, – up to the way he was playing, um, you know, to begin the season um, when, when the, you know, he was living up to that number three draft pick status. But, you know, I think we've got to remember, too, that, you know, he is in his third season, but um, he had only played 10 games his first two years. Um, he had the, the, the core muscle injury as a rookie, played 10 games, and then the first game of the season last year tore his Achilles um, and, and, you know, was spent a whole year rehabbing that thing. So, you know, I still think of Jeff as, as a young player, um, he's had moments where he's been really good this year, played like the number three pick. And then like you mentioned the last couple of weeks, been a little subpar. He got benched in the second half last week. And so, you know, I would expect Jeff to bounce back uh, just knowing him. He's a real high character guy. Uh, he wants to be good. Certainly it's not his fault. He was drafted number three. That was the former regime here. And um, it is what it is, but we've seen at, at times this season where he's looked like that kind of guy. Um, it just, it's consistency now with Jeff and, and being able to do it week to week. That's the big thing with him. Tim, it's a little different for you now covering these Lions. How much more fun is it covering a team that's winning and that you can talk about playoffs potentially? Yeah, that's the fun part, right? I mean, you're looking at other scenarios. Unfortunately, if they would have won last week, they would have 
you know, controlled their own fate. They would have been in the number seven seed right now with two weeks to go. But look, it, we're covering meaningful football um, yeah. in the month of December. Mm-hmm. Um, after winning three games last year, you know, I said earlier in the year, I think you just want to double your win total, get to six, seven wins, and, and be in the graphic, right? Um, be playing meaningful <laughs> games in the month of December. And we haven't had that here since 2017. So it's been a while, and it's, it, it's fun to kind of scoreboard watch and um, see what else is going on and have a chance to get in this thing postseason it's just fun to be playing meaningful football in the month of december guys for sure and, and they open the season like one and six right and, and, <laughs> yeah and they, yeah one and six so what what's what was the big turnaround what what happened that changed their fate it, it was it the defense getting better was it the uh the, the quarterback getting better what do you think it was no, it was it was really the defense. I mean, Jared and yeah. this offense has been playing well all season long. I mean, when they were one and six, they were one of the top ranked offenses in the league. They were just historically bad defensively. Um, I mean, they lost to Seattle forty eight forty five. They lost to Philadelphia thirty eight thirty five. Imagine scoring thirty five points and losing a football game. Imagine scoring forty five points and losing a football game. Um, so you know, if Detroit misses out on this thing, I think those are going to be some of the games they look back on and, and are like, man. Um, we really let some games slip away there when our defense was really bad. And we talked about it a little earlier. Um, they were really young on defense. Overall, this is the second youngest roster um, in the league, but that's certainly the youngest defense, I think, if you break it down. And so, um, you know, some of those guys have started to play better. They've grown up a little bit. Um, you you, you kind of expect that. Um, they had, when they were one and six, they had a player only meeting. And, you know, the, the, the defense did. And, and they aired some grievances amongst themselves. Um, they were real honest with each other. And since that moment, they've been playing much better football. And so, you know, that turnaround was 100% on the defense. Um, they played better ball, uh, not last, you know, last week withstanding. Um, but, you know, over this stretch where, where they've been, you know, six and two, they've, they've played much, much better football defensively. And Tim, Lions fans are are an extremely passionate group who have who have you know sort of slogged their way through a variety of losing seasons over the years. Continue to show up and spend money, and so now with the team that's in the playoff picture this late in the season, one of the things the Bears have talked about during the week here is their young roster being prepared to go into a playoff atmosphere and a hostile environment in December or now in January on New Year's Day uh, give, give us a sense for just what what is Ford Field going to be like today yeah it, it's going to be rocking guys I mean I think you know the city has been you know dying for 50 year plus years to have a winner here um, and you know I think they can start to see some signs of, of what Dan, Dan Campbell and his staff are building here the kind of football team um, that they want to be, they, it kind of mirrors this lunch pail, gritty Detroit mentality, right? And and I think they're really behind this team. And during this stretch, Ford Field's been electric. Look, they, they're selling out. They sold out here. They sold standing room only seats, which has been the case for the last four games here. Um, and look, the Monday night game against Chicago back in 2011, there, there are a few times in my life I've covered something and my ears were still ringing when I left. That was loud. Um, it was it was that Monday that was night loud. game in 2000, yeah. yeah, in 2011, sure. and and that's what Ford Field can can, can be um, if you give them a good product, um, and they've done that the last two months, and and the, I think the city can sense that they can play a factor in this team maybe getting into the playoffs. So I would expect Ford Field to be, uh, you know, rocking. I think it could rival that that 2011 game. I think it's going to be loud and rowdy in here, and it should be a fun environment to cover a football game.
Tim, thanks for jumping on. We appreciate your insights. Appreciate it. Did, did you pick them? You must have picked Detroit, right? Yeah, you know, I do like Detroit in, in this one, just being at home. Um, and, and after, you know, coming off the clunker that was last week, I would be very, very shocked if this team comes out flat and isn't ready to play. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to have a pretty good plan. And, and just being home, I, I see it a close game, but I like Detroit at home with, with what's on the line. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. All right, All right guys. Have a good one. That is Tim Twenty when he had joined us on the uh, score hotline presented by Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. I don't I don't know how many people are picking the Bears, but this is an interesting spot for yeah. exactly what you said, Anthony. The the idea that there is this playoff atmosphere and you got a chance to play spoiler against the team you could argue you hey should Hey guys, they're still won. Detroit. They're still Detroit. They are Detroit. <laughs> there you go. That is I it. always feel I that it. way. And he's right about that 2011 game, man. That thing was loud as can be. But mm. most of the time we were there, it felt like playing in a mall. <laughs> it just it wasn't loud. It was just, yeah. But it will be a playoff atmosphere. But what happens when the Bears win today? Let's let's think about that. When the like Bears it. win. I All like right. it. Yeah. We're going to get angry phone calls in the postgame. <laughs> That's <answer>. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will. All right. No moral victories. <laughs> it is the pregame show on the score. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Mully, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It is the pregame show on the score, and we are into week 17, game 16, and uh, and Detroit, a fun op- uh, opponent. Um, I, I want to go back to something that uh, Tim Twentyman said. He said that he thought if the Bears drafted a couple more receivers that and got more players around the quarterback, then maybe they'd have a chance. This is a really fascinating idea because here we are with uh, with uh, you know postseason talk gone, but postseason building talk on, and we will get into the free agent market, and we and we know the Bears made the trade they made for Chase Claypool because they felt that the free agent market was not going to be overloaded with receivers, um, and and you know clearly. Last year, there was a ton of movement of receivers around the league, and we know the cost went uh, kind of astronomical. Um, is it is it wise to think the Bears can wait on taking a receiver if they can get enough out of a trade down in the draft? Would you where would you make the priority of receiver? You know, they they hopefully have Chase Claypool back, right? He's uh, he's limited in practice. Hopefully, he's back. Uh, you know, Equinemius St. Brown should be back. We don't know Dante Pettis. We'll find all this out uh, directly about who's in and who's out at the receiver position. But we know Darnell Mabry uh, uh, is not walking through that, though. Or Mooney, excuse me. Uh, when you look at where they're at with their receiving core and what we have seen them have to field, and now, again, Bayless Jones played better. But I don't even know if he's a receiver, guys. Where are you at with that position, and how will you look at it moving forward here in the next two games? Uh, it's well, <laughs> there's so many holes on this roster. I think it's an mm-hmm. interesting question, but 
I'm a firm believer. I don't know where you stand, Anthony, but you build from inside out. You got to go O line, D line, uh, D line here for three technique with Eberflus and his defense. O line needs to be upgraded. But that being said, you look at like Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. You look at what Miami did with Waddle and Hill down there for Tua. Um, they, they're very important in this league because the way the, 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 the rules are set up, the way the offense can, can, can you know, go about their business with the rules uh, defensively. But me personally, it's, it's O-line, D-line first, and then wide receiver. I would agree. I think that especially D-line. That's the thing that, you know, the, the excitement that many of us would have to see more talent around Justin Fields is, is valid. At the same time, where's the position that it's most difficult to evaluate, most difficult to get people who can immediately affect the game? I think receivers you can get in the second round, you can get in the fourth round, you can get them. Perhaps it would be a trade. Defensive line, if you really want impact players, you know, you, you, you don't want to miss on those guys. If there's an opportunity to get defensive linemen early in the draft, if a, if a Jalen Carter looks like someone who can step in and immediately be a, a Pro Bowl caliber player – then you don't want to miss on a, on a guy like that because that, in turn, does affect winning and losing. It may not necessarily enhance Justin Fields' passing yardage per game, but it can put him in a position to win more games, you know, like the Dolphins and like the first game against Detroit. You know, moments like that where a nice stop defensively was the difference between winning and losing some of those games. And I think you can, you can have a good coaching staff and a quality scheme that can effectively scheme you into effectiveness. You can find ways to maybe hide mediocre offensive line talent more effectively than you can mediocre defensive line talent. So, you know, same thing with wide receiver. If you got a quarterback like Justin Fields, he'll be better suited having more talent around him. But, right. you know, you can scheme the offense into some effectiveness at, at, a, at a higher clip than you can if you're just not good up front on defense. The, the Bears are not going to have a, a wide receiver that, that has 500 receiving yards, right? Huh. Uh, Mooney had a shot at that maybe, but he's gone. He's not coming back. You look at where they're at. It, you know, Cole Komet is the guy that's going to finish the year most likely as their, as their number one uh, guy with receiving yards. He certainly has, uh, has come out. He's better than he's been, right? But I don't know that he's a breakthrough player, but he's got 460 receiving yards, so he has a chance at 500. But it would be very unlikely that they would have a wide receiver with 500 uh, receiving yards. That is a low total. I mean, 500 yards in the modern age of football Mully, is it's not sad. asking much. It's sad. It's pathetic. It really is that, sad. I mean, what, Let me ask you, what's worse? Eight and a half sacks from the defensive line or nobody with 500 receiving yards? The answer is yes. <laughs> Both, right? I'm looking at the Bears' stats right now. They average 136.5 yards a game passing. That's 32nd in the NFL. That's just sad. And I talked about yeah. in this this day's NFL, with the rules the way they are and the way it works, that you should it should be better than that, and it's just sad. And a lot has to fall on – you know, they obviously ran the ball. Luke Getze early in the season was just calling runs and runs and runs and third and long, you know, all situations he's just always calling runs. But – um, it is sad, and that's that's that needs to improve. That just needs to improve. It's just, uh, yeah, we'll go back to that. It, the the total sacks or the the, uh, the lack mm. of passing yards. What is worse? And I, I just my answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> with the, the lack of pass rush terrible. there, the lack of sacks, it's just it's almost like you're not putting up resistance. You know, the the opponent yeah. just doesn't look uncomfortable. So I yeah, I'm sure it's the old defensive lineman in me, but I, I would go I'd go to the sack numbers. I'd yeah. go to the sack tolls being even more disappointing, even more disheartening than the lack of growth, of development, of talent, of playmaking at wide receiver because, you know, you can at least point to the volume of passes being low. But it's not like there's not a volume of pass attempts against the Bears. There's folks dropping back snap after snap. There's just nobody getting home up front. So I'm, I'm going to go with the lack of production on the D. It's a great question. I hadn't even thought of it through that lens before. Which one is more hey, disappointing? Anthony, what's that meeting room like? You know what I mean? When they watch game film on Monday and they're not getting home, what's that like? Because I've been in O-line rooms when – you know, they're giving up nine sacks a game or whatever, and it's just horrible. <laughs> but this is week in, week out. They're just not getting the quarterback. Right. I mean, you're, you're trying to piece together any yeah. little, you know, scintilla of like, yeah. oh, you, you would have maybe gotten close if you would have committed oh, right. to this move. Or look at his pass set here. Look how he dropped that inside foot. You had a chance to counter if you would have done it this way. You're almost trying to, you know, work through what could have been because they're not even legitimately close to the quarterback. The only real answer to that question is uh, the new Zing Zing Bloody Mary can cocktail. There we go. Premium vodka already. I guarantee you there's a lot of people this morning hitting that. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're always ready, perfect for your game day tailgates. Please Zing Zing responsibly. We're going to be back with the great Mark Grody. We'll find out who's in, who's out, what's going on uh, uh, from our our guy Mark Grody. We'll do that next. It is the pregame show on the score. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It's the pregame and it's Grody time. Mark Brody joins us now on the score hotline presented by Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Mark, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Molly and gentlemen. The the Bears all of a sudden have themselves a glut at wide receiver as we are just learning now that Chase Claypool will yes. play in the game today we Gives get me to something evaluate. to watch more <laughs> yes oh yeah isn't that the truth patrick yes, like, it is. I'm, I'm speaking in desperation i am desperately happy because now there is something for us to evaluate that is absolutely real uh beyond the quarterback justin Fields. so we'll see what chase claypool looks like in his uh, first action since december 4th remember he got hurt against green bay then you had the bye week between between then and the 18th and then all of a sudden he's not playing against philadelphia he's not playing against buffalo and he has waited until the detroit game to play so that that is that is good news for the bears also uh dante pettis is good to go there was some concern about his ankle in the middle of the week so he is ready to go and he will return punts and be a handy receiver at times as he was last week when he caught that wide open touchdown equinemius st brown gets to uh go up against amon st brown you know that thousand dollar bet is on the line boys um tevin jenkins and uh, cody whitehair will play in this game so the offensive line looks somewhat sturdy again and check this out guys uh, alex leatherwood inactive today and as far as we know that has nothing to do with injury 
as he is the old Alex Leatherwood is a healthy scratch, and it, 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 it it's not particularly surprising. It's jarring. It sucks. But the way he's played, I'm not surprised. No, I'm not, I'm not either. And with all those names you just named, yeah, that's a guaranteed Bears win. Everybody's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Bears are back. They Absolutely. are back. Here we go. The, the, yeah, the preseason Bears are back. Hey, quick question though. You've been in that locker room. I, I, I just this is a question I want to know is who's more responsible for the positive attitude that is still with this team after this eight game losing streak? Is it the coaches? Is it that locker room? Is it certain players? Like how is that? Like how how is there still a good vibe there? I think it's the co- I think it's Matt Eberflus 100 percent. And I still Patrick, I still go back to the Washington game where after the Washington game there was a lot there was well two players in particular Justin Fields and Jalen Johnson two of the most uh, influential players on that team were down in the dumps and they were talking about how we're sick and tired of hearing about how we're coming close and they, they didn't and that that's the message from the top the message from the top is we're hey think things are getting better you just wait this thing is going to take off and really since then for better or for worse, they have they have carried that message and maintained that at least positivity to the the media and to their teammates because this was a season where Matt Eberflus and his boss Ryan Poles had to tell these players to buckle up without telling them it's going to be a bad season. They had to let them know that this might be a bad season and to keep their chins up and that it's going to get better. And I know that all sounds so Pollyannish and it's not necessarily what, what we want to hear because honestly, I'd prefer to hear Justin Fields tell the media after the game exactly what's hurting on him or that he's sick and tired of coming close, but we have not come close. Uh, to hearing anything like that since the Washington game. So I, I do think that it is the coaches, and I do think that they, they hit it home again during the mini-bye week. Is there a play that stands out to you who who this game or the last two games are maybe pivotal for, vital for? You referenced Alex Leatherwood being inactive, uh, apparently a healthy scratch. So you know his, his Bears career, his Bears future – could be in, in peril here. Is there a player that stands out that today and maybe next week are really vital for? Two guys. I'll give you an offensive guy and a defensive guy, Anthony. I, I, I love the progress of Kyler Gordon, and I want to see that guy finish out these final two games strong because if he finishes out these, these two games strong, then it will have been, in my opinion, a successful year for him, a, a year that started off rickety for him. He was not good early on when teams were picking on him but he has gotten good you know with the three picks in the last few weeks really when before he had the concussion he was playing well and has played well since uh, returning from his concussion so I want to see that momentum carry you know it's an incredibly important to make sure that you have what you think you have because the Bears have so many other needs. So if you could honestly and earnestly say that you've locked down Kyler Gordon as either your slot or an outside option because he's been getting much more time on the outside, I think that that's a huge thing for him. And then the other guy that I'm interested in watching, and he obviously has a lot more to prove than Kyler Gordon, is Bayless Jones because I was fascinated by the game that he had last week. I didn't think he was going to get the get the, the chance on offense, especially last week, and I guess that was maybe more out of need than anything. But let's see if he can keep it going. I mean, that, that 44-yard play that he made last week was, was absolutely legit, and we saw all of his powers in play, and he was very good on kick returns as well. So so Valus is a guy that I want. Let's, let's see if he can – 
pick it up. And he, he will not – if he plays super well in these next two games, like, you don't look at it and say, okay, he's over it. It was just some weird stuff in the beginning of his career. You still have to, to look at that with an, an objective eye. But it was, sure would be promising if we saw him make more plays in the next two games. Yeah, I mean, listen th- – the Bears are looking for playmakers. There's no doubt about it. We talked a little bit earlier about some of the issues on the defensive line. Um, what What is – is there anything that they can do to get more pressure from their defensive line? It's, it's, it's desperate, man. They are getting yeah. desperate. They are running out of answers. And I almost feel like they just want to tell us, look, this is sorry. This is not <laughs> – we're sorry about the defense. This is not working out. This defensive line is not working out. I actually kind of like the idea that Matt Eberflus was throwing around earlier this week of maybe seeing Justin Jones rushing the quarterback a little bit more. The guy, he, he's got a, he, he, you know, he, he's been an okay player, but he's got a great motor. Like he's one of those guys. So I'd, I'd be interested to see them attempt that, but it is, it's getting to be that desperation mode. It's been such a disappointing season for Travis Gibson. You know, there was some high hopes for him, you know, back you know the 2020 draft that he came here. So this, you know, being his third season with the bears, the year that a lot of us expected him to, I don't know, breakouts the right word. Cause I don't think he ever had that, you know, 15 to 17 sack expectations, but maybe, you know, eight to 11 sacks on the season, something like that. And obviously, has not come close. Dominique Robinson, you know, remains a project. You know, earlier in the season, he had the the quick success, and I even asked him. I said, "So you're no longer a project?" And he's like, "Please, I'm still a project," and he's still absolutely a project. So uh, that is that, that means is, he's really watching his own tape. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Like, I, I don't think I've ever That's seen a good anything. thing. I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that on on draft day. Like usually. You know, GMs and scouts will kind of try to keep that private if if he is uh, a project. But every scout, every, you know, Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, I'll call them a project. Even Dominic Robinson gets on the horn. Yeah, I'm a project. So let's not have too high of hopes for me this year. And that's kind of the way it's played out for him. Mark, you mentioned uh, Justin Jones moving around, maybe playing some more D-end. And Eberflus talked about that. Are there any other positions and or players you think that we'll see maybe a little bit more of rotationally or anything like that? Or is that just more just coach talking the last two games, anything can happen? Well, I think that this, the secondary continues to be a really interesting place to watch, other than, than Kyler Gordon. But, you know, I know you guys were talking about Jalen Jones earlier, another guy that, you know, Josh Blackwell is, mm-hmm. a, very, is a fascinating player because he's thrived on special teams. Dookie. and. Uh, that's right. That's re- that's the true key to his success. One hundred percent. Yeah, the bowl winning Dookie. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, <laughs> I just had to throw that hey, in. There. Hey, hey, that's that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Uh, but Josh Blackwell has turned into to be a nice surprise. Not somebody I had predicted that would be playing in and thriving in games at this point in the season. Maybe I should have. Uh, so he's an interesting guy. I still like watching Elijah Hicks, the the seventh round safety out of Cal, seeing what he can develop into or if he is anything so you know it's those secondary guys and then and then i haven't even mentioned jaquan brisker but you know he's got two games to continue to show that that he is for real and he's a legitimate player in this league and a guy who will who will be known going into next year so i do see a lot of promise in what's going on with the secondary with with the guys that we know about and some of the guys like i mentioned josh blackwell that we're kind of see developing before our eyes 
And Gross, it seemed like a really nice response game from the special teams at large last week. And now they're going to be inside in a dome, so the, the return game should be able to field it cleanly. The place-kicking game should be outstanding. So I'm just wondering, from what you saw last week, do, do you feel like, and in, in, you know, listening to Coach Hightower during the week here, do you feel like all the concerns that might have been there, especially specific to Cairo Santos, are they behind us now? Um, I'd like to think so because – you know, the guy, Cairo Santos has been so good with the Bears. And then, you know, missing five extra points is absolutely jarring. He made the the hash change out on the field, and I talked to him about that. And, you know, he I even talked to him about his, his job security. And he said, yeah, look, it, you start missing kicks, and that's just the way the world works when you are a kicker. You start to hear – about your job and that that's going into last week's game where he was good and had to deal with the weather he actually told me that the the with the, the tyrannic weather from last week against buffalo was better than it was the week before against philadelphia which i guess makes sense because didn't he miss an extra point so um he, he seems to have gotten his confidence back and then to come full circle on the the spirit of the question playing indoors yeah what a relief that's got to be for that entire special teams unit and everybody that is a part of it because it's almost like they've earned it you know having to you know these these cult the the green bay game the philadelphia they've had three straight december games at soldier field attempting to manage and to snap out of a quote-unquote special team slump and they were able to do it to some degree last week against buffalo and now you get your reward you get to play in a dome in detroit today so yeah i I do expect the, the cairo santos to look very comfortable today you know, the the fact of the matter is that the Bears can't get a lot out of the season, but they can play spoiler, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you really – you think about a division opponent, you can ruin their season right here, right now. This is kind of a must-win game for Detroit, and if you run over them Carolina style, they're going to – that's going to leave a mark. Yeah, and I love the fact that this is not a game where – we're, we're watching a team rest their starters. Like, you want the Bears to go up against the, the, the best possible competition in the Detroit Lions. And not to mention, too, guys, the, the beating the Bears took on November 13th against Detroit at Soldier Field, where they lose by one. Justin Fields goes crazy in that game, 147 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But the Bears blew it in the fourth quarter. They were up 14 you had the the Jeff Okuda pick six. You had the DeAndre Swift touchdown. So if if any of that means anything to the Bears, like they had a pretty good handle on Detroit for a lot of that game. So it, it, just, just when we actually look at this matchup in this game, it does seem like it could be very interesting and it could be very close, especially the. You know, not to, the Lions needing to to win, and then the Bears getting these players back too. And we mentioned the the fact that the kicking game may be more comfortable indoors. How about Justin Fields getting himself back indoors as well after having to endure that and having to sort of lose out to the elements last week? There will be no complaining about that this week. I'm going to go to the way back machine here, Molly. You were talking about knocking the Detroit Lions out of the playoffs year 2000. We played them Christmas Eve. Paul Edinger hit a 54-yard field goal to knock them out of the playoffs. It just felt yeah. so good knocking your division opponent out, and it did feel good. That was that was a fun one, though. But 
Um, you talked about uh, Justin Fields getting on turf. Is there much talk about him trying to break the the rushing record? Like, what's the talk around that? I mean, there's been definitely been questions about it, and I think that Justin Fields' attitude is is really good about it. It's sort of I've narrowed it down to him thinking, eh, why not? Why not? May as well break the record. I don't want to ever be in this position again to have to break the record and have to run that much. But I will say this: Luke Getze, and I think he was being serious. I don't think he was fibbing. He he's he says he's not going to call plays just to get Justin Fields the record. Like that's not in their heads at all. That's not what they're thinking. Now, if when they play Minnesota next week, he's forty yards short of it. I would imagine they would do the necessary things to get him the record. But they've they've been pretty coy about you know saying look the game it's it's week to week it's the game plan we want to see this guy throw more this may be the opportunity to see it so i don't think that they're they're going to mess around much either and and the bears have to end this this eight game losing streak because they have matched a franchise record which only the 1978 bears have pulled off and the 2002 bears did as well which i know uh, Patrick Manley, you weren't the reason for it, but I'm pretty sure you were on that roster. I don't think you were on the 1978 Bears. I nope. know you had a long run with the Bears. Nope, I was a three. long run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but you don't want to match those two teams' records. You don't want that to be what this season was all about, even though that's kind of what this season has been all about, losing. Great stuff, Mark. Appreciate your time, buddy. All right, guys. Have a great game. We'll talk to you soon. All Thanks, right. Bro. Enjoy it. Should be uh, fun. I, I like that idea that you can knock them out of the playoffs. Yes. I, I mean, I, that gives you something to play for. It does. Just, no, it's fun. It is. I mean, you beat your division opponent and you knock them out of the playoffs. It's something I can. I, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about that. That end your kick at the end. Of, we we talked about knocking them out of the playoffs, and it is fun to knock your division opponent off because you, you you don't like them. You, you see them twice a year, and that's just a team you you don't want to you want to beat, and that just gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit more ammunition. A whole Great lot of folks stuff. got fired after that game. They by did. The way. That, that, <laughs> they that did. ushered in the yeah. Matt Millen era yes, in Detroit, the Marty Morningweg era oh, in Detroit, oh, and uh, a lot of folks, uh-huh. a lot of veteran players. My yes. rookie year was 2001. There's a lot of guys who were still on the roster held over from that previous season that were none too pleased that a lot of the folks that they had uh, been playing but for. But that's and what's fun about competing, man. That is fun. I hate to right. say it. You, you, they had sad right. faces. I remember running up the tunnel and being so happy. I was young and <laughs> thought it was so cool. We played. It was a silver dome too. We played in. Yeah. 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 Right. Good God. That that you, you would uh, the flight to Detroit was shorter than the drive to the Silver Dome. Yes it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. All right. We've uh, we got a lot left. We're going to do it next. It's it is the uh the pregame show. We've got uh Patrick Manley and Anthony Herod at Chicago Sports Radio 67 to the score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.